and welcome back to the Worst Sister Shire podcast. We're three sisters who are doing a weekly podcast about our favourite TV shows and movies. Our motto is, if attempted murder is a crime, then attempted comedy is a podcast. So we don't want to take things too seriously here. Uh, We just want to have a chat about the shows and movies and have a good time. What we'll be discussing is Three Little Lies and the movie, alternating every week. This week we're covering our first movie, The Princess Diaries. First, we're going to do a quick recap of the movie and follow that with some discussion on the plot, um, the characters and events. So say hi, guys. Hi, I'm Suna. I'm Sadie. And I'm Arzom. Okay, so let's just jump right into it. So this movie is about Mia Thermopolis, who is a very shy and awkward 15-year-old with big bushy hair and glasses. She lives in San Francisco with her mum. Her dad and mum got divorced when she was young. He lives in Europe and sends her birthday cards each year. So they have a pretty distant relationship. That is until he passed in an accident and soon after Mia is thrown for a loop when out of the blue she learns she's a princess. She is the only heir to the small European country of Genovia. Mia is torn about whether or not to take the crown and agrees to take princess lessons with her grandmother before she agrees or disagrees. A lot of ups and downs happen along the way on her journey to the final ball ball where she will make her decision. Some of these things include being shamed by the media about seeing a boy and being exposed while changing. Ultimately, Mia ends up accepting the throne and moving to Genovia, and her friend Lily and love interest Michael will visit her in the summers to come. Before we get into it, I want to make a point here. Not 20 minutes ago, Arzum said to me, why are you speaking in cliches today? And I said, thrown for a loop and and everything I know. And she's like, thrown for a loop. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. Maybe that's my worst sister story this week. That I keep judging you for speaking in cliches and then proceed to speaking cliches. The most cliche of them all. Exactly. Suna is fluent in two languages, cliches and puns. <laughs> so I don't even speak English or Turkish. No. <laughs> Turkish. Only to the extent that it's a pun. Basically, all three of us have made a list of what we like and dislike about the movie. So why don't we... Name a few things off of our likes list first, and then we can just discuss. Yeah. Um, do you want to give a start sooner? Sooner? Yes. Okay, so the first thing on my... Sooner! it like it's hot. I like it. I'm putting that in. So the first thing I had on my like list is that I liked, speaking of puns, I like that Mia lives in a tower because... They live in a refurbished uh, firehouse and Mia lives on the upstairs roof, uh, upstairs upstairs part where you've got to go up the sp- spiral staircase and then she's got a pole coming down to the thing and her mum calls that her tower um, mm. in the thing. And I really like that because it's got that elements of the princess thing already coming into the show. Like she doesn't know she's a princess but she's living in a tower. I just found that amusing. Mm-hmm. The foreshadowing of it yeah. all. So that was on my like list. Yeah, I think that was a really good thing. I like that as well. It didn't make it onto my list, but I really like that as well. I don't think I ever noticed that really until you pointed it out. So that was really cool. My brain scans for jokes. Scans for jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you, Sadie? What's the first of your like list? The first of my like list was um, the names of the of the rivals, Lana, Anna, and Fontana. That got <laughs> every time I heard it. Lana, I don't know Lana, why. Fontana. And tell her, I was going to say banana. 
Banana would be funnier than it. <laughs> That's what Joe says to them. He calls them banana. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he says something. Yeah, he says banana, doesn't he? I don't know, but I love it. Anna, Lana, Fontana, something, something. He says Bobana or something like that, oh, doesn't Bobana. he? Oh, Bobana. I thought that was legit. Yeah. I didn't realize he was making a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Joe made number two on my list. So Joe is my favorite character of the whole movie, easily. Um, and part of that is because he's literally always been supportive of Mia from day one. And when everything goes to, is crap a swear word? No. Okay, when everything goes to crap, he supports her and tries and even convinces the queen that she's being too harsh on her and that this wasn't her fault. So I really like Joe's character for that and he has these um, funny little one-liners here and there. Yeah. Speaking of his one-liners, one of my favourite lines of his throughout the entire movie is when she was putting on the pantyhose in the back of the limo and he says, I have never put on pantyhose before, but it sounds dangerous. <laughs> is a good like, one yes man it is so maybe this is a good time to mention something that's on my list related to joe but it's the queen's romance with joe is this a like or a dislike it's a like yeah um but it's also a bit like oh that's saucy because it's a bit risque it's a bit risque um you can tell that they've you know they've been together for a long time in terms of like they're working the working arrangements they've been together for a long time she fully trusts him and she looks for him for counsel a lot. Like he's always advising her. And I think even when his opinion hasn't been asked, he feels comfortable to step in and say something. Yeah. And she takes that feedback on. So like their professional relationship and friendship, I really liked. But I also liked the romance that they had. Like I felt like Joe was quite brazen in some of the roles. Like, yeah. mate, that's the queen. You can't just hit on her. <laughs> <laughs> but he can and he did but he can and he did she was wearing black for far too long she was wearing black for far too long like it was very um you know smooth he was he and, was very smooth um, yeah so i quite like that that was a like but one thing i did note is i wonder how long he had a crush on the queen before he got to shoot his shot yeah because he says that line about you know you've been wearing black for way too long but you find out in one of the bits, it says her husband passed away last year. Yeah. So she's only been a widow for a year. Yeah, that's true. And so, I mean, he knew her a long time before then. So I wonder how that relationship developed if um, they had a crush before then. That's a good point. And I've been thinking about that line, you've been wearing black for far too long. I think that comment is specifically in relation to her son passing, who was just a few, like two months beforehand, remember? That's why Mia's going to princess lessons and that's the more recent mm, death. I wouldn't say so. That would be... Because he said it when they were going to go dance together. Yeah. And... I know. I think it was like a... I know it was like a romantic, like saucy little gesture. Mm. But also I don't know that he would say, you've been wearing black for far too long about her son. Like I feel like that's a bit too sensitive, especially since it's only been a couple months. Yeah. Like that's got Lily vibes. Yeah, it does have Lily vibes. <laughs> but I feel, I don't know, maybe this is just my interpretation, but I feel like it wasn't necessarily, like you said, they have a good relationship and everything and they've been together like friendship-wise and work-wise mm. for a long time. It could have been like a more, I know it was saucy, but it could have been more as an indicator, like a, Let's just dance, get your mind off of this thing that's making you upset for a little bit kind of a thing. Yeah. That was my interpretation of it anyway. But when I did first watch it, because I watched it twice, um, 
when I did first watch, I immediately thought about the husband. But when I watched it the second time, I remember Lily saying that it had been only two months. And that's yeah. why she was probably more recently wearing black. So I don't know. Yeah. But to answer your question, I have no idea how long the flirtation chick was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like he said it in a hitting on her kind of way, which is why I think it was yeah. that, um, relating to her husband. There were definitely some saucy vibes, some like little side eye romance happening. Also, it was a wango, which we all know is very sensual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't help but feel in love, drink a wango. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, husband was drinking, and now we have a situation. Oh my god! I can't believe it. That was so dangerous. I was just like leaning over my laptop as well. If I spread it out, this whole thing would have been over. All my uni assignments, my work gone. She almost died. This is like flashbacks to last week when she almost killed me in the car. When we were driving last week, I was literally drinking coffee and we were being nerds listening to our podcast while we're driving. But we wanted to see if it sounded good for you guys. Yeah. That's why. Yes, that's why. Nothing hard. I think it sounded great. (laughs) But um, we laughed too much at our own joke and we had a coffee incident. Yeah. Near death experience. Near coffee experience. But yeah. Um, Sadie, what did you think about Joe and the Queen? I love Joe and I love them together. It feels to me like he's been in love with her for years and now that he's finally got plucked up the courage to ask her out, I think it's cute. Yeah. Maybe he killed the king. Maybe he did. <laughs> Maybe this is the um the prequel that we're all waiting for. Guys, I would watch the sh- the crap out of that movie. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> but on your thing when you were saying um that you know, if that was Joe commenting on her son's passing and it being a real Lily move. Can we talk about Lily for a hot minute? Because yeah. she's at the very top of my dislike list. She's on my dislike list too. She's on my hate list. Okay, well, Sadie stands the strongest, so do you want to start? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> she's just horrible and mean. She's selfish. She doesn't think before she talks. It's just all around annoying. She is, like, very driven she has, like, this ideology about the world and how things should work. She's very, like, I don't know how to describe Opinionated. It. Yeah, opinionated. Yeah, but when you push your opinions onto other people, that's not right. And she only sees the world, like, through her own perspective and she expects everyone to mould into what she wants. I just don't like her character at all. From her hair to the way she talks to the way she... They could have done more with that character. And I think, like... Part of the reason that they start having issues in this is that Mia kind of starts becoming a bit more independent and having her own things to do. Like her grandma comes and she's got to take these princess lessons. So she starts being busy and she starts having to prioritise her own things over Lily's things. Which she comments that she's helped with a few times. Yeah. But I like... I guess where I'm coming at is I think at the beginning of the movie that we see that Mia is looking to Lily for guidance a lot. Like even when they're doing that... um, Debate. The debate. Um, there's a bit where Mia turns around before she goes up on stage and she's like, oh, what was my argument again? And uh, Lily prompts her and helps her get on the stage. And so I think they were in this kind of symbiotic relationship where Lily really liked to be in charge and Mia didn't. And so they fell into this kind of rhythm mm. where Lily was calling all the shots and Mia was just following along. And then I guess when Mia starts having her own things, that kind of stirred it up a bit for them. Yeah. Quick question before we continue. What does symbiotic mean? 
like relies on each other. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this funny? This is like any conversation I have with any of you guys will say anything. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I have the vocabulary of a 10 year old. This week's episode is brought to you by the word symbiotic. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually didn't catch what it means. What did she say? Hey, Arzum, have you watched Venom? I've seen half of it. Okay, so that's symbiotic. They have to rely on each other to live. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay, so they just really re- needed each other, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This makes sense. Yeah, I do agree with what you said, though, that they definitely have that kind of relationship. Like, Mia leaned on Lily a lot to give her guidance on what to do with her life, basically, and what to do after school. But Lily really <clears throat> relied on Mia to help her out with things. Like, she constantly is like, are you sure you can't come to my spotted owl? petition signing are you sure you can't come onto my show are you sure you can't do this yeah so they both really needed to support each other I think that's a good point but I also think Lily only is interested in that relationship to the extent that it benefits her like she does get a bit cranky when Mia can't be helping out with all of her random after school activities and stuff. She feels like she's being ditched or whatever. But she also is just really uninterested in Mia's life. And whenever she starts talking about something, she makes it about herself or she's really like inconsiderate of her feelings. Like we said that line again, I feel like this is one of the worst things she said is, I thought you were over that. That was two months ago about her dad dying. Yeah, so I think there's definitely moments where she's, like, over-the-top selfish and self-involved. I don't know. If I try and think of it from Lily's perspective, maybe she feels like she's losing her friend in those weeks because, like I said, she's used to having Mia be around and do everything that she wants and now suddenly that's gone. Yeah. So because in her defence, even though she's very, like, um, I don't know, like anti-establishment, etc., she did support Mia when she thought, when she found out that she was going to be a princess and, you know, she said, this is the platform that you need to make real change and stuff like that. Again, that was a bit selfish because she wants a platform to make change. Yeah. But she was supportive in a way that Mia didn't expect her to be. Like Mia expected her to hate that she was a princess. I think it was more she was jealous and she was angry that she wasn't in the loop and that she was losing her friend. Hmm. She acted out in really bizarre ways. She realised, yeah, this is a good thing that's happened to my friend. Yeah. And also, Me. I can use her for my political agendas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the second she's out, she's like, can you guest on my show now that you're out as a princess? Yeah. Like. To be yeah. fair, if I knew a princess, I would have them on this podcast. You already do? Yeah. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I could go on and on about Lily forever, but yeah. she's at the very top of my dislikes list. Yeah. Followed by her hair. <laughs> Followed by her hair. Her hair is number one. Her hair was terrible. That was classic, like, early 2000s. Though. Yeah, well, it was disgusting. <laughs> you should have seen the jeans. Yeah, I did see the jeans. You wore them well into the 2010s. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that I didn't like, which isn't Lily related, but I thought was really, really dumb. I will take all of two seconds. In the opening scene, um, once Mia and Lily like ride their little scooters to school and you can kind of see all of the different cliques at the school entrance, there's this one scene where Josh Bryant is, he picks up his backpack and he starts walking up this pretty like short but, you know, slightly um, slanted wall and everyone's like, oh my God, what a show off. And he's literally doing nothing. <laughs> I missed that completely. I didn't. It was the first thing I saw and I was immediately outraged. Is there anything else silly and dumb that you guys particularly disliked about the movie? I was already started the topic off. It's Josh. 
I, I don't I don't like Josh at all. He's got no substance at all. He's selfish, he's rude, he uses people. And I don't see why Mia fell in love with him, like or was like had a crush on him when she's not like that. Like she's not that shallow. She should have been able to see through that shallow facade, like right off the bat. She should have been able to see through the shallow the shallow facade, but she wasn't able to. I don't know. It just doesn't fit into Mia's personality. I get that. And like 100% I agree. Josh is the worst. Was he that guy that was in that show about the woodworker and his three sons? Is this where I know this guy from? Oh, are you talking about home improvement? That's it. <laughs> I don't know if he was in that. I'm going to Google this real quick. Because I, I've been, it's been on like, it's been racking my brain since I watched. I'm like, where, where else was he? Because this guy was like big back then. He was... Yeah, he was in a couple of different things. And I'm pretty sure it was in that one that when I said home improvement. I forgot the name of it. So his name is Eric Von Detten. That's an even worse name than John, Josh Bryant. Yes, he shall forever be known as Josh Bryant. Let's see what he's been in. Ah, oh, he was in Toy Story 3. As who? Was he Sid or something? I think he was Sid, yeah. Oh, he was Sid's say. voice. He was in something called So Weird mm. in 1999 to 2001. He was in Toy Story. He played, he does a bit of voice acting it looks like. He played Flint in Tarzan, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Girl Positive. Uh, is that Brandy and Mr. Whiskers? Brandy and Mr. Whiskers. Oh, my God. I used to love that. Malcolm in the Middle. Eight Simple Rules. Is that where you know him from? Eight Simple Rules to Date My Teenage Daughter? Yeah. There's quite a lot of things here, so I'm just skipping through them. I'm looking to see if... Um, what was his name, did you say? Eric um, Von Detten. Yeah, Eric Von Detten. No, he's not in Home Improvement. That would have been a quicker way to do it, actually, seeing who's in Home Improvement. <laughs> I just Googled um, Home Improvement. Oh, he was in Our Real Monsters too, apparently. Wow. Yo, I'm going to be the mum right now and circle us back to the podcast. You were saying, Josh, don't like him. He's shallow. Yeah, he's shallow. Um, I don't know. Mia should have been able to see through him. Like, I wanted Mia to have more wisdom than to fall for that guy. But I, also- I think she got there in the end. I think she, like, because she was, like, quote-unquote nerdy, all she did was straighten her hands. She was the hottest girl in school. I think she was, like, romanticising how good he was because she thought she didn't have a chance and because he was, like, this popular, cool kid. Um, and I think she romanticised it in her head too much, what it would be like to go out with him. And I think when she got that opportunity and she saw that he was a um, skis ball, I think she did realise that and then she, you know, started, yeah, being more interested in Michael. There was a bit of flirtation between them throughout the movie, like light, um, like the whole come back to my place and let's do pizza and work on the car thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But the thing that I didn't like about the reason she chose Michael was the whole you saw me because I was invisible or you saw me when I was invisible was the reason she gave for Choosing him. Like, girl, that's not a reason. No. <laughs> it is not. Thank you for acknowledging I existed. Thanks. Yeah. Like, you don't have to settle for some guy just because you think he's the only one that saw you. Like, there's more than two guys in the world, first of all. No, there isn't. Um, <laughs> so you don't have to choose one or the other. The if none, if none of them are suitable, you can choose neither. <laughs> I think this is the option like a lot of TV shows don't go after. There's always two guys they're choosing for and then they choose the least bad one. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't have to choose either of them. Like, you'll meet someone else. It's fine. And if you don't, that's also fine. Yeah. Exactly. 
just have lots of dogs and cats. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think part of the reason also, though, that, you know, Mia was romanticising this relationship and, like, Josh Bryant to begin with was because she was just dumb and 15. Like, who hasn't had a dumb yeah. crush that wasn't going to go anywhere? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, 15-year-olds have dumb crushes. Um, but yeah, what's next on your list? Then? So now we covered off on one of Sadie's. My one like that I'm sure you were both going to agree with is the makeover scene. Oh my god, yes. Iconic scene. I love the makeover scene. What's your favourite part of the makeover scene? I don't know, just the whole vibe of it. I yeah. like a good makeover scene. Me too. Like, Me too. I really like it. Even though I feel like it's so stupid because they make her out to be this hideous beast. beast. <laughs> and she's like a perfectly attractive woman with just curly hair. A very cute moose. <laughs> a very cute moose. <laughs> And then they, like, straighten her hair and stuff, and suddenly she's the most gorgeous creature known to man. Like, I find that a bit silly. But I like a good makeover scene. I like the, you know, like the... the upbeat music that comes yeah, with Yeah, the it. upbeat music, the transitions, the, you know, seeing them do different, like, things. It's it's iconic. It gives people, it gives people you know, joy. I think this all started with She's All That. I feel like with <laughs> She's All That, though, it was even more low effort than what... Mia's was because all she got was a haircut and no glasses. With Mia, you got you got to see them shave off and like pluck off, sorry, fake eyebrows that they had drawn yeah. on, very obviously, yeah, and stuff like that as well. Like, and put on cucumbers that did nothing. Exactly, <laughs> I have that in my notes. So something that I loved about that scene, but yeah. something I thought that was dumb about that scene was Mia being so dumb. She was getting a pedicure. She's bopping her foot. Like, are you dumb? Clearly someone's working on your feet. <laughs> she was enjoying herself. She was bopping to the music. It was a great time. Literally someone's trying to catch your foot and you're bopping it. <laughs> it's like a fair game. Catch your foot. Yeah. I love it when he breaks her glasses and says, you broke my brush. I like um, yeah. Paolo's character in general. I like... um how fancy he is. He has these two assistants and he even has them taking off his rings because he can't do it himself. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, I have Paolo on my to-like list as well. Um, he's very dramatic and passionate and yeah. I think that's a great combination. The guy who plays Paolo has been in like a few small roles like in these rom-com things here yeah. and there and it's always been one of my favourite characters. Yeah, he's pretty good. I like the scene... Um, Later on, when they find out who school? breached the disclosure and like told about um, you know, being the princess and stuff, and he was very pr- passionate and he was like, I didn't do it for the money, I wanted people to know. A little bit for the money. And also, I like that he's getting passionate and walking forward, and Joe pushes him back and he's like, Prego. Yeah. <laughs> Every like two minutes, he's like, Grazie, Prego, Grazie. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Um, definitely on the to-like list. And also he comes to Mia's rescue at the very end when he sees her wet on TV. He still runs and tries to make her over. Can I just um, point something out with this makeover scene that I don't think anyone else has mentioned yet? A couple of scenes before the makeover scene, they were doing the how to sit like a princess lesson. Oh, yeah. Where she was telling Mia to tuck her ankles in. Yep. Right? As soon as her makeover was done, that girl was able to sit like a princess. Yes. <laughs> like, as soon as the makeover was done, she was a princess. That's it. No more lessons. Yeah. It's cool. Well, maybe partially some of that comes from the new instilled confidence that she has with how she looks and she can, pres- like, carry herself better, straighter posture and whatever. Yeah, and she had been going through lessons already by that stage. Like, as a clumsy person who does not tuck her ankles in and sit like a princess, that's not something you pick up even after you've had some lessons. <laughs> something else I liked about Paolo is that even though, like... 
he acknowledges that he did the wrong thing and shouldn't have added her and everything. He still knows that his work is so good and he's so confident about it that he's like, next time I see you, we're going lighter. Like, he doesn't even yeah. assume that he's fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love him. They called him the best. They did. Something that I liked a lot about the um, movie was the really supportive, like, PM and his wife, the Prime Minister and his oh, wife. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. they were great. Yeah, so, like, in the movie, um, when she goes to her first state dinner or annual dinner, whatever it is, before the actual ball, she obviously has some trouble dining. Like, she has a few mishaps in there. And the first one she has is the um, eating the frozen dessert um, because it's, like, a palate cleanser. She doesn't realise it's frozen, has this absolutely, like, Goliath mouthful, which, you know, you're at a dinner party. Why are you shoveling it into your mouth anyway? (laughs) But she does, and she gets a brain freeze. And I love that the PM and his wife are just like, oh, <laughs> turn into monkeys next to her to support her because they don't want her to be embarrassed alone. That's really sweet. Good guy, PM. And also on top of that, he also is sassing the Baron and Baroness. He's like, may you always be Baron. <laughs> <laughs> Shade was thrown, man. Also, yeah, the Baron and the Baroness was interesting to me, though. Like, part of the thing that I found was interesting is the quickest shortcut the movie took to showing us that they were not desirable was they made them unattractive. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and I think it's just sending the message that you have to be pretty to be a good royal, I guess. Yeah. Like, that's one, that's, it's not on my to dislike list, but it maybe should be, is that, you know, like, even when... Clarice is assessing Mia for the role. She talks about like, oh, you know, what she looks like, her hair, her eyebrows, her earlobes, her earlobes, her neck. Like, how do they have any bearing on her skills as a leader, first of all? You have to be symmetric to have good ideas, man. Did you not know this? <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, they go through the whole makeover and, you know, transformation and stuff, which is like the crux of the movie. But then in op- opposition to that, they also have these people that they're like, oh, these people aren't fit to be royals. And they've made them on purpose be unappealing. And, like, they even have that joke in there of, like, having the um, Baroness turn around so you can see, like, she's got a big nose and that. And Mm. it's, like, just after the Baron says, oh, don't worry, you're much more pretty. And that's supposed to be a funny moment. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I guess this underlying subcontext of this is that you've got to be attractive to be a royal, essentially, is what the movie's telling us. And also, beauty is such a subjective thing. Yeah. Like, you know, just because you don't look like, you know, what's in vogue today doesn't mean you're not an attractive person. Mm. And I think stuff like this that comes up in movies that obviously are targeted towards young teenage girls and stuff can actually cause a lot of damage to their, like, self-esteem and everything because, I don't know, I, I imagine there were lots of, you know, young girls back then with big noses watching this show thinking they're now unattractive and there was a massive surge in the 2000s of women getting nose jobs yeah. and everything. Can I say, as a girl with naturally curly hair, I was not instilled with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, like, it's only relatively recently that you've started, like, enjoying your curls more, right? Yeah, like, I've got straight hair right now. I straightened it <laughs> last night. But, yeah, I think it's only recently um, that I've started being more comfortable with having curly hair out, like, um and not caring so much. Yeah. Whereas I think when I was a teenager, especially, like, when I was around Mia's age, like, I hated my curly hair. It was either in the tightest bun so you couldn't see it or it was straight. Like, there was no in-between. I didn't have curly hair out. 
She went through great lengths and pains to straighten that hair. Um, including with a literal ironing board. Yes. This was in the days before GHDs. And um, I used to literally put my head on an ironing board and take an iron to it. I literally remember this and being so scared that you were going to burn off your ear because you didn't even have anyone else doing it for you. You were ironing your own head yeah. where you couldn't see on an ironing board and she'd press down on her hair and then instead of moving the iron, she'd move her head along. Well, how am I going to move the iron? I can't see. <laughs> it was actual chaos. And let me tell you, I did not go without burns. Yeah. <laughs> what I do remember is... The electricity going out and me not understanding how gravity worked and leaned over a candle to check under the bed and let my whole head catch on fire. Oh my god, I burnt my hair too on a candle at my year 12 formal. I burnt mine on the candle. Was it at your year 12 no, formal? it was in the Chatelco house. How do we have more than one hair burning on a candle story? <laughs> we have three and two of them were on my head. At my um, year 12 formal. Um... So that's, like that's what you do in yeah Australia. You have a year 12 formal. It's like a prom. Um, I had, obviously, my hair was straight yeah. and out. <laughs> and we had these, like, floating candles in the middle of the table as a centrepiece. I remember um, those. They yeah. were very big back then. Yeah, they were very big back then. This was in uh, 2005, it was, showing my age. <laughs> <laughs> and I had the brilliant idea that I was going to steal this candle mm. but do i blow it out first no i just reach in to try and get it and my hair catches on fire at your formal at my formal so i put it out like it wasn't a big deal it kind of just singed yeah. the ends but it smelled very badly of burnt <laughs> hair and um when i was walking to the bathroom <laughs> i ran into this girl that i barely speak to but like we know knew each other obviously we were yeah. in the same school and she said, oh, my God, it smells like burnt hair. It smells like burnt hair. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and then walked away. Do you remember um, when, obviously, I didn't like going to school and um, Nana was trying to force me to go to school. And one day I hit her with the, I'm not feeling well. And she wouldn't believe me because I did that literally every day. <laughs> did you throw up on her? No, I didn't. She was like, no, Arzum, you're going to school. You're going to go to school. I'm like, okay, fine. She forces me to school. Ten minutes into the school day, in the middle of the national anthem, I throw up everywhere. <laughs> and she gets a call to come pick me up. And the smugness, you should have seen coming from me. I was just sitting there and I was like, I told my grandma I wasn't well. And my nana didn't believe me. Yeah, we should get back to our podcast. Yes. Yeah. Back to the podcast. Um, what's something that... Um, you disliked Sadie? Um, something that I disliked. I didn't have very many dislikes. I just liked the whole thing from beginning to end. Well, what else is on your like list then? My like list? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've got two lists going at the minute. I've got one that says love and one that says kind of like. Okay. So I'll start with my kind of like and build up to my love. The <laughs> Japanese um, ambassador... Oh yeah. Right, that's at the at the Genovian dinner with oh, them yes. before Mia comes out. I am in love with that dude. He is absolutely brilliant. His happiness, his happiness when the grapes fall into his plate, top notch. Yeah, free grapes. What I liked about him is how like brazen and just like blunt he was with the queen when um the queen has these photos of the guy sitting next to her's grandkids. She's like, would you like to see? He just stares her in the face and goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I wish I had that strength sometimes. I know. But also, I wish nobody says that to me when I show them pictures of my dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, while we're on the topic, though, something about this dinner that I both liked and disliked at the same time was the very clear Scotsman that was not Scottish, and he was like, ah. <laughs> Cheese and pear desserts. <laughs> that was the worst Scottish accent I've ever heard, and he, he was just loud. That was him being Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> so me and Suna watched the movie together the first time, and yeah. literally I was dying when that happened. I was like crying and cackling. Yeah. I think Snow was getting annoyed with me for how much I was laughing at that. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> but also at that dinner scene. <laughs> and we lost Abzu. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, also at that dinner scene, why is she so clumsy? Like, why? Just let the grape go, man. She caused chaos over the grape. Like, just let the grape go. She set someone on fire at this dinner. I think we forgot this. Oh, yeah. She set someone on fire. <laughs> like, I'm not a royal, right? But if I drop a grape onto the ground during a meeting or a dinner, I am not picking it up. I love the fact that she goes to the guy that was um the one the waiters behind her. And she's like, was that my fault? And he, like, says yes. Straight up. Yes. <laughs> that just gives you, like, a sense of, like, community. Like, even though they're waiting on the royals, they're still not scared of them. Like, that just gives a sense of how nice the royal family is. Mm. Yeah, it really, like, speaks to how Clarice runs things, I think. And yeah. we see throughout the movie that kindness is one of her biggest attributes and, like, patience as well. As a segue, I have one real quick thing on my hate list. Yeah. The fact that some girl in the scene where Michael is playing the keyboard with the Eminem's on it says, Wicked Sweet. <laughs> Yeah. He, pl- he plays piano and he works on cars. He's wicked sweet. Literally no one in the history of the universe had said wicked sweet and she should know this. Hate list. Hate list, for sure. I think something really obvious on my hate list, Lana, Fana, Banana, or whatever their names are, um, exposing her um, at the beach, literally like getting her naked in the thing and then pulling the sheets off. Yeah. How terrible was that? It was. But it also made no sense because Fontana's the main one? Lana's. Oh, Lana. Um, That's Mandy Moore, man. Yeah, Mandy Moore. So Mandy Moore is trying – so in the beginning she hates her, is a B word to her, and is like, oh, ha, 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 you have fizzy hair. And then she's like, oh, ha, 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 you have straight hair. (laughs) (laughs) This girl can't get a break. But then when she finds out that she's a royal – she starts telling, like, the media, oh, she's my best friend. We do everything together. Like, she tries to suck up to Mia to, like, get in on the spotlight. So I don't know where she thought this was taking her because mm. at this stage she's supposed to be trying to be friends with Mia. She was jealous because Mia had Josh. Josh broke up with Mandy Moore's character so that he could be with Mia. Because Josh was like, I hate fake people. That's why I broke up with her. I see. See, I didn't think of this because Josh is such an afterthought for me. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he really is. Okay. Um, but what? But you're right, though. Something doesn't make sense there because not all of them are in on the plan because when they're walking up to the beach, one of the two, Anna or Fontana, whatever their names are. Banana. Banana. <laughs> 
is like, so we like Mia now? What are we doing? And then she's like, just wait, just watch. And she's like, yes, or whatever. Yeah. And then Mia goes into the tent and obviously to get changed. And then they all count to three and lift it. So how how are you both such a dumbass that you both thought you were being friendly and exposing her naked body? Yeah, I think that part was written specifically for the camera. Saying how much we dislike them, I really like the song that they were singing at the beach party, though. Stupid yeah. cute. Just saying. I have on my like list just the soundtrack in general. I think the whole movie soundtrack is excellent. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it's wicked sweet. It's wicked sweet. It's wicked sweet. Yeah, (laughs) I want to play it with some (laughs) Eminem's. We should put wicked sweet. Oh my god, he did a duo with Eminem, and we didn't even know. Oh my god, he did. (laughs) Does anyone have any other dislikes they want to talk about? I don't have any dislikes. What What is your like? My like is. the string cheese scene with the statue when Mia breaks the finger of the statue and places it in the mouth. A couple of scenes after that when they go to the, the, the dinner. There's two people. I can't remember who they are. Yeah. And um, they put the cheese. They they look at the finger in the mouth and they assume it's string cheese. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, like, yes, yes, yes. The Genovians are known for their taste in art and cheese. <laughs> yeah. That made me giggle forever. But the best part is in the next movie, I know we haven't watched it. I watched it as extra credit. In the next movie, you see the same two people and they're like, oh, the string cheese here is beautiful. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's funny. Yeah. I haven't seen number two. I don't. I did least, it ages ago. Yeah, at least in ages or never. I don't know if I've ever seen that. It has Chris Pine in it, if that helps. That helps. Yes, that helps. I'll be watching it. <laughs> no, I mean, if that helps tr- trigger your memory. <laughs> but what was I going to say? Something else food related that I really liked is that Clarice um, tries a corn dog and she pretends to really like it to try and do something for Mia as well because she's been doing princess lessons for her. And so they go to this like fair or whatever. She tries a corn dog and she pretends to really like it. She's like, yes, this is delicious. And Mia's like, oh, I'll go get another one. And she looks horrified. <laughs> Yeah. So good. Now, I've got to say, I've never eaten an American corn dog, but they look delicious, especially in this movie. They do look delicious. But I don't like hot dogs, so I assume I'm not going to like a corn dog. Yeah. Also, I feel like from, like, I don't know, this is, like, tasty videos I've seen online, the batter looks like it's, like, a pancake batter and sweet, so I feel like I wouldn't uh, like the combo. Yeah, but I agree they look delicious. Like, mm-hmm. I'll try one. I just don't think I'll like it. Speaking of that scene, though, I really like, and it's something that I always say ever since the first time I watched The Princess Diaries, um, Clarice's comment that royalty doesn't jingle. (laughs) I literally always say this, like, all the time. Every time I don't have change on me, which is all the time, I'm like, royalty doesn't jingle. But also, Mm -hmm. I want to say, this is the original, my name don't don't jingle jiggle, jiggle, it falls. (laughs) It's true. Sorry, Sadie. No, I was just about to say that TikTok. It's so relevant right now. It is. It is. Yeah, Clarice was the original. <laughs> she was. And also, I can attest to the fact that Suna does say this constantly. I like, say it all the time. Before I had even seen the movie, she was saying this to me. Yeah. The one thing I carried away from this movie, you guys have both missed it, is I don't slide. When she's getting into the backseat of a car. And Mia's like, do yeah. you want to slide in? Rules to live by, man. Never slide. All right, so what else have you guys got on your like and love lists? I've got only one other thing on my dislike list, which might be relevant um, now that we're talking about Clarice. So we talked about how great she is and everything. Agree. is a literal queen. But I didn't like Clarice's, Clarice's overreaction to the leaked photos um, of Mia on the beach. 
I feel like she really jumped to conclusions. First of all, the photos weren't that bad. Mm-hmm. But second of all, um, like Clarice literally just jumped to conclusions about what happened without giving her a chance to talk about it. But not only that, but she kind of changed her whole perspective on Mia in that one instance where at the beginning of the movie she was like, you know, the whole future of our country relies on you because we have no one else beautiful to run it. Mm-hmm. Um to she took one bad photo and um you know now she's like you're not fit to be a royal i think you shouldn't accept blah 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 and i just found that to be such a massive jump to be made over such a small incident i think he it was more that she's worried that mia was following her father's footsteps like don't forget prince philippe or whatever his name was he went to america to study found a wife and moved back only to have them divorce and sent his kid overseas. Like, I feel like she was reliving something she's already lived through after seeing those pictures with Mia. I don't know because there was nothing in the movie that I saw anyway, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, to indicate that he was sort of like a party boy or anything like that. It was very much a he fell in love and still chose his country situation in my from what I saw. Yeah, it could be. I think she was, like, in general, whether it was that specific or not, I think she was worried about, like, the crown. Yeah. So just while we're on the whole crown situation, I had a question written down here. So what my question comes in two parts. A, if Genovia, what has Genovia been doing for the past few months if her dad has just died not only – um, you know, heir to the throne, only suitable ruler, is in a 15-year-old in San Francisco and the country will cease to exist as we know it if she doesn't take the crown. Clarice is the queen. But if she's not allowed to rule, because if Mia t- says no, the Baroness gets to take over, and Baroness will yeah, eventually. This is a major plot hole, because in the second movie, which takes place five mm-hmm. years after the first movie, she still hasn't taken the crown. Right. Well, okay, that actually makes but it sound I like think... it's not a plot hole now. So she's prepping her for when Clarice can no longer rule, actually. Yeah. So my understanding without watching the second movie was that it had to be a, be a blood relative now, and that's why Clarice came to the US mm. to sort it out. I don't think it has to be now, because I don't think that they would have been expecting her to rule at age 15, right? Yeah. I think they were, like, preparing her. Okay, this makes it. a lot more sense. Um, I think they had to present her. And she had to accept her role as princess in order to take it later on. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah, like I, I'm assuming they're still going to let her finish high school and stuff. Yeah. But she finished university. In number two, she finishes university. Yeah. At 18. No, it takes place five years after oh, the first Five movie. years. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I'm back with it now. And that makes a lot more sense now that you've said that. Yeah, so she's 20-something in the second movie. But again, saying that, right, um, like I don't want to ruin the movie if anyone hasn't watched it, but like Chris Pine's character, he's Mm -hmm. also got some sort of claim to the throne. So like it still wasn't a major emergency. Right. The only issue with Mia not accepting her role as princess would have been that the crown gets removed from Mia's family and onto... The other person. Yeah, it would go to the um, Baron and Baroness, right? Yeah. Yeah. They'd be next in line. 
but we all know that they're too ugly to rule a country. So. Exactly. <clears throat> Can't be done. Um, just, again, sorry, to, before we move on. So Sadie mentioned just before that Clarice never approved of me as mum, whose name is literally escaping me for the life of me. Yeah, it's not coming to me either. Just me as mum. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's one of the things I dislike about Clarice, and it's on my dislike list, is you know, she's pretty, like, nice and considerate to most people, and but she's pretty snobby to the mum, um, I've noticed anyway. So, like, for example, at the beginning of the movie when she comes to the house to have tea and try and convince Mia to take the throne – the mum makes her a coffee or a tea or something and she, like, while the mum's back is turned, starts wiping the rim of the coffee cups and, um, you know, just stuff like that. Like, that kind of bug- bugged me and she also had this tendency to belittle a bit Mia's feelings about not being told about her royal, like, heritage, I guess, because when Mia's like, I don't have time to talk about this, I have a meeting with my guidance counsellor or history teacher or whoever it was, she's like, well, I'm late for a meeting with Spain and Portugal. Like, yeah. literally this girl's whole life has been turned upside down, give her, like, five seconds. Yeah, but also, <clears throat> like, Mia's reaction to that is a bit stupid. Like, honestly, you just found out you're a royal, you don't have to work a day in your life, really. Like, embrace it, mate. Well, according to um, Clarice, it's a full-time job. It really is. I will take their full-time job over my full-time job, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. I second this. (laughs) I'm not saying that it wasn't silly and that I wouldn't take the role. Absolutely. I would. Just in case my employers are listening, I love my full-time job. Please don't fire me. (laughs) (laughs) Not until I find out I'm a royal. (laughs) What she said. Because if you're royal, that means I am also royal. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so that's just something I didn't like about Clarice is that she can be a bit judgy towards the mum. Yeah, Clarice is a bit judgy. Who among us is not? But she, as she embraces Mia and Mia embraces her, her judginess sort of seems to dissipate. Mm, it does. It sort of, like, melts. So it shows what a positive effect Mia has been having on the Queen and mm. what effect the Queen has been having on Mia. I think it's cute. One major like that you haven't brought up yet which I know you want to, is Gupta. Yes, she's here <laughs> on my list. Sandra O oh, is amazing. There's like the two best scenes, I reckon, I miss with Mrs. Gupta. The one where she's giving her the tea. Um, I'm sorry we don't have finer china. <laughs> and just like being literally obsessed with Clarice. And then handing the mum like a paper sign. Yeah. Like, did you not have another mug hanging around? Like, did she have to have a paper mug? Maybe that was her own personal mug and she gave it to the queen Maybe. only. Surely that she could have scrounged one up from the Stop. lounge room, the staff room. Like, I don't know about you, but at my work, there's so many random mugs everywhere. You there could just are. find one. And then also the scene where um, at the end when um, Mia has it and ice creams Lana um mrs gupta pretends not to see yeah lana got cone um yeah mrs gupta pretends not to see it meanwhile the teacher that did the debate stuff yeah the history um, history teacher he (laughs) is just full-on dead staring but still does nothing um pretends he can't see it mrs gupta was a highlight of this movie but maybe he's pretending he's not seeing anything because now he's actively dating mia's mum yeah, that's true. There's no winning enough for him, whether he gets me in trouble or not. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to point out that no one has mentioned this specific guy that I've got on my um, love list, my like list, and it's Jeremiah. He's one of my favourite characters that that's in the movie. 
Like, I know he doesn't have much of a talking role at all, but the way that he's been constantly um, made fun of a bullet, it doesn't break his spirit. He's always himself. Like, he's true to himself. And he's one of the nicest guys in that entire school. So props to Jeremiah. Yeah, I agree. He's a great character. Um, I must say, though, I'm not at all surprised that you like him, though, because Sadie has a thing for gingers. And he <laughs> I do. Mind, she falls in love with you. <laughs> I, I do have a thing for gingers. They're cute. Ron Weasley, Ed Sheeran. Who else was there <laughs> besides Jeremiah? You can't out me like that. What if Ed Sheeran listens to this? He's just going to think I'm a freak. Maybe he'll propose. Or maybe he'll propose. Dude's married. I ain't no homewrecker. Don't worry about your own home. Don't wreck his home, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there anything that you like sooner that you haven't mentioned? I had a quick one. Mm-hmm. I like bite. I like bite. I like bite. <laughs> Lily's beaver bag. Oh, that's cute. I do like her bag. I like Lily's beaver bag. Like bite should be a segment. That's a cute name. Like bite. Like bite. <laughs> like the cat dog song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so one of my favourite things from the sh- movie is the diary that Mia's dad leaves her. I think it's really cute. First of all, it's just aesthetically very pleasing. It's a very pretty book. But also, like, the advice that he gave her was exactly what she needed in that point in time, and I thought that was really cool. But something I did dislike about her in that scene was when she unlocks her diary, ruffles through the pages, and then throws it into her bag without reading anything and just letting her letter fall to the ground like what was the point of opening it or relocking it but while we're here on the diary i did have a question this diary was passed on from her dad and the genovian crest that her grandmother gave her opened it and she said that was from her great-grandmother so my question is if is this locket been the key to all of their diaries and have they all been able to access each other's (laughs) have has was clarice reading Philippe's diary when he was younger. Well, presumably they could have made the diary to fit to the locket rather than Mm. the other way around. Um, If the locket already existed and he wanted something special to be able to open it. That's true. But the alternative is snooping mum. (laughs) Yes. Um, But I really like that scene. I really like the diary and I really like um, how that ends up tying everything together because in the very last scene when she accepts the throne and she's heading to Genovia, you see her writing in that diary. And, you know, that's the princess diaries, you know. Mm. So it ties everything together. So I really like that. And uh, it's really different to the book because I've read half of the book to date. Um, (laughs) I I never ended up finishing it. But in the the book, it's called The Princess Diaries because the story is told through her writing in her diary. Mm. Like the whole thing is told from um, Mia's perspective. Like everything is written as journal entries. So that's why it's called The Princess Diaries. And I guess... This is the way that they incorporated that diary element into the movie. And Mm -hmm. I agree it was a really nice way to do it. Because the other difference between the book and the movie is that in the book, her dad is still alive. So her dad's the one that comes across um, and tells her that she's a royal and, you know, you're going to have to become a princess. That's interesting. So what's the – I know I read this too, but I don't remember. Um, What was his reasoning for, you know, her having to come over and do stuff and if he wasn't dead? Was planning to die. (laughs) No, I think – was he sick? Or I something? think he was sick. Yeah, he had cancer. Yeah, he had. He was sick. Okay, I wasn't sure if I was just making that up in my yeah, head. Yeah, so that started off as a joke, but it was the truth. Yeah, so not comedy. He was getting ready to die. So, in the book, the grandmother still does the the princess lessons. I don't think so. Plus, I don't know that I. I don't remember any no, princess I lessons. No, I don't think so. I don't remember any princess lessons, but maybe I didn't read far enough. Yeah. 
I read these books back when I was in like year eight, year nine. Yeah. So I can't remember, but I did re- read the whole series back then. Michael's role in the books is much more prominent than Michael's role in the movie. It is, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's got more of a relationship with Michael. Yeah. And, like, I think you can also see her crush on Michael a bit more in the book as well because I remember in some bits being, like, you know, um, when Lily asked her, for example, you know, who's cute at school or whatever it was, she was like, oh, but I can't tell her it's Michael or whatever. Yeah. And, like, so there was a bit more of a – you could see her feelings for Michael a bit more in the book. Like, that is something that I would have liked to see in the movie as well, that Mm. relationship they had in the book a little bit more developed. So that when she did, like, cancel their date to be with Josh, it, it made more sense. Because at that point, they were just planning on hanging out. Mm. And she said, is it like a date? And he said, what did he say? No. He said no. Yeah, he said no, yeah. which was what I was going to say as well. Like, it didn't seem like she was turning him down on a date because she specifically said, is it a date? And he said no. So that's on him. Like, I agree with both of you guys in that he should, like, you know, you should always make your feelings known. You should say what you mean. But in the movie, you could tell that he was a bit flirty and, like, joking about it, though. He was like, no, like, it's not a date, but, like, there'll be pizza and hanging out. And, you know, they were were being flirty still. You know, I think there was an indication that it was still going to be a date. Mm. But you are right. I do think their relationship felt really, like, disjointed. Like, yeah. They kind of just one day after. There was like, nothing there to merit the reaction that he got when she went with Josh. Speaking of like relationships between Mia, on my like list is I do like her relationship with her mum. Yes. Like I feel like even at the beginning when Mia's like, you know, clumsy and, you know, uncool and whatever, she's like the most relaxed and most herself when she's with her mum. Mm-hmm. Like when she does the rock climbing things with her mum, for example, like when she says, oh, your grandmother calls, she wants to have tea. That's the first time we see her be herself, I feel like, mm-hmm. with her mum. And I just found that a yeah. really nice uh, relationship. Her mum is her safe zone. Yeah, her mum is her safe zone. And like they had a, I know they had a bit of a disagreement because she was like, you've been lying to me for 15 years, etc. Like her mum came from a good place when she tried to do that. And I think she wasn't going to hide it forever. It was. She said she was going to tell her when yeah. she was 18. Yeah, so that she could have a normal childhood. I think she's like always does things in Mia's best interest. And you can see that in the relationship that they've got. Like they've got a very close bond. The one scene that I really like liked um, is the part where she's getting ready to go to the beach party and she's talking to her mum and she tells her mum about her you know, foot popping kiss. Mm. Like that felt like such a um, intimate detail to share with your mum. Yeah. That like you have to have a strong relationship to have that kind of chat when you're 15 with your mum. Like, I don't know. I don't think I ever mentioned the word kiss to my mum when I was 15. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, leave it to Beaver. Is that what he's in? That's what he's in. I don't know what that is. Yeah, leave it to Beaver. That's what that Josh guy is in. And I think the last thing on my to-like list was the Master of the Order of the Rose scene when Mia crashes into the trolley. Yeah. And Clarice um, makes the trolley guy and the policemen Masters of the Orders of the Rose so that they wouldn't take Mia downtown for driving without a license and crashing into a tram. Mm. I really liked it. Um, I like that she got her inspiration from the street sign. Yeah, um, that no one else could read. <laughs> that no one else could read. No one else noticed what was going on. 
I also like that she turned down an umbrella as the thing to knight them with, um, but she took the the emergency break, break the yeah. emergency break thing. Like, I feel like an umbrella would have been better. Why didn't you take that? Yeah, at least an umbrella is like decorated. It's pretty, you know. It's fancier yeah. than a broken parking brake. Yeah, that whole scene I thought was um quite nice, and I guess you got to see a little bit of Clarissa's playful side there too. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I didn't like though is Mia driving illegally more than once and then crying in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> Her crying in the rain was the worst. Like, at least go home. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're defeated and everything. Go home. <laughs> but also, I feel like she had such strong character building up until that point. Like, she was getting stronger. She was getting more persistent. Like, she was, you know, had a breakthrough with the letter from her dad and then she just wants to cry in the rain. <laughs> yeah. I felt like that was a bit disappointing. Another thing I want to mention really quickly before before we move on to – um, something else is Mr. Robitussin. Oh, I yes. have that. That's what I was going to mention next. That's my last thing as well. Yeah. He's he's a cool character. I like him. The fact that he's like the cliche nosy next door neighbour, but also the fact that he writes his own narratives when he sees Joe. <laughs> it was good. I really like that scene at the end when Joe's looking for Mia and Mr. Robitussin's like, I, I don't see anything, and Joe summons him under his umbrella grabs him by the shirt and he's like, she went this way and then this way two minutes ago. <laughs> I think it's the, like the entire thing as a whole came together to make a really cool movie. Like even though it's like, what, how old is that movie? 20 plus? Yeah, it came out in 2000. So 22 this yeah. year. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. So even though it's like 22 years old now, it's still a movie that you can sit down and watch again and not be bored of it. Well, I was going to say the opposite. This might be controversial, but I feel like I enjoyed it a lot more when I was younger and rewatching it as like, you know, an older person. I didn't think it was as good. I thought maybe I, I built that more in my head because of the nostalgia and maybe I attached to it. And when I watched it again, it was like, it wasn't like, it was a decent movie, but I think I probably won't go out of my way to watch it again. Because you have been desensitized to what, <laughs> to, to what? movies are there's been so many amazing movies after the princess stories but back when it first came out it was like where there wasn't much in that genre to compare it to and now everything after that just seems like a ripoff of the princess diaries okay well i i guess that's fair enough oh yeah i was gonna say it's also just like a simple movie Mm -hmm. like it's not um anything that's you know, trying too hard or is, you know, trying to make some sort of statement or has a complex plot or very complex characters. You don't need to think about it. It's a very simple movie, like the kind of movie you enjoy more, I guess, in your teenage years or when you're growing up. Yeah, it it sort of takes you away from your reality for a bit. I think that's what I like about it. Yeah, it's the kind of movie now where, like, I wouldn't watch it on a date night with my husband, for example, but I would watch it if I'm, you know, looking for something lighthearted to watch in the background when I'm doing other stuff or yeah. um, or I just don't want to think for an hour and a half, <laughs> you know. That's really fair. Not all movies have to be, like, yeah. you know, really complex and something you have to think about and, like, you know, discuss. Some things are just yeah. fun. Yeah, that's true. But I think it is a classic and that um, makeover scene is iconic. I do love the makeover and, scene. And um, it is, I think it's, it's. this is a good time to mention what our next movie is, is um, what inspired me to suggest the next movie is iconic makeup, makeup scenes. 
Um, and this, the next movie we're going to do, which is going to be in a fortnight from now, has one of the most iconic makeup scenes of all time. Um, it's Miss Congeniality. Yay! I'm really looking forward to doing this movie. Um, and, yeah, watch this space for that one. I am um, so excited about yeah. this. In the meantime, though, so just to remind um, our listener. <laughs> <laughs> single. Single. Our listeners. Um, next week we're going back to Pretty Little Liars. So we're doing episodes four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. And then the week after, we're doing Miss Congeniality. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Miss Congeniality. But I'm also looking forward Same. to getting back into our drama of Pretty Little Liars. There's so yeah. much going on. But I feel like this is good, having the high drama of Pretty Little Liars and then the lightheartedness of Princess Diaries. has been quite good. It has been good. But, yeah. guys, get prepared. I'm so excited about Miss Congeniality. I've seen that movie, like, countless times. It's probably one of my favourite movies. Yeah. It's so good. And Sandra Bullock slays in that amazing, movie. Amazing, amazing. I love anything she's in, really. Yes. I don't think there's a Sandra Bullock movie I don't like. Me either. There is one that I don't like. It's the one where she had to cover her eyes. What was that one? I yeah. liked Bird Box. Granted, I've only seen it once. I really liked it. It was a re- really interesting concept. I think you didn't like it, though. You can tell me if I'm wrong, because obviously it's your own opinion. But I feel like you didn't like it because... You don't generally like serious or, like, scary-type movies? I don't. But what got me in that that movie, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But the boat scene where she's got to make one of the two kids take a look and she chooses a kid that's not hers, that, that got me. Like, I know it's a hard decision, but that got me, man. So, I mean, she struggled with it because it would have made the most sense, but she didn't go through with it. And I think, like... I mean, we're humans. We don't always 100% of the time make the right moral decision. Yeah. Um, and we do have those moments in real life every day that you struggle with the right thing to do. Like, you know the right thing to do and you know the easy thing to do. Yeah. And sometimes it is a struggle. You guys, it's 3 o'clock. i got to wrap it up. Okay, so my worst of the week story is that <laughs> my children are hell-bent on presenting me as the worst <laughs> mother of all time <laughs> we were going together someplace as a family right so i got the kids ready got them into the car and as we were leaving the house i am 100 percent certain <laughs> that my youngest had two shoes <laughs> on his feet one on each i'm 100 percent certain of this because i dressed him myself did we you count to, get to two when you put his shoes on? One, two. Yes. Like, literally, <laughs> I put the shoes in front of him. He stepped into them, and I literally said, one, two. Like, <laughs> literally counted. <laughs> literally counted. So we get into the car. The place that we're going was, like, really close to home, so it's, like, a, maybe a 10-minute drive. Mm-hmm. We get there, and he's only got the one shoe. <laughs> like, <laughs> so... So I've got two options here. I either take the other one off and make people think that he did like he didn't want to wear his shoes. <laughs> or at please least tell me he didn't start crying, Mum, please let me have shoes. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, he's more than happy to walk around barefoot if you let him. But the place that we were had like um grass and dirt and bindies and stuff, so it wasn't a place where he could be barefoot. So we improvised. We improvised. I had <laughs> I had another pair of shoes in the in the back of the car, so oh, like, we we sorted it out. <laughs> they didn't match his outfit at all, but we sorted yeah. it out. It was when you something. said we improvised, I thought you had some makeshift shoes ready to go. I was imagining you sticky taped some plastic bags around his feet. 
No, we, we sorted him out. We we did what we needed to do. But me and Kadir, my husband, we're in the car, like trying to sort where this like, trying to find where this shoe is. Looking under the seats, like it's impossible because he was in the car with it. We have all the doors locked, all the windows locked, so he it's not like he can open it and like throw it out. But like maybe he did. Hmm. But we looked into in that car, like from top to bottom, not there at all. We go back home. I look in the house again, no shoe there, and I'm like wondering where has this shoe like disappeared to? It's just vanished. It's gone. Two weeks later. <laughs> I find the shoe lodged under lodged under my husband's motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, under his motorbike. He flung it. He he must have flung it as he was getting into the car. He must have like flung his foot and the shoe fell off and like this lodged itself under one of the tires of the motorbike. I don't know. That's so funny. <laughs> But I can't, I imagine you're not the only parent that ever goes through this though, because the amount of times I find random kids' shoes out on the street is too high to count. Yeah. Like kids just can't hold on to shoes. You can definitely tell he's your son though. You also fling off your shoes the second you can. But also you can tell um, he's Sadie's son because one time me and Sadie went shopping. Let me stop drinking. Yeah, please stop drinking because one time Sadie and I went shopping. And we, the shopping place we went to was a half hour drive from home. Um, so we get in the car. I'm driving. I had, like, I was new to having a license. Um, Sadie's my passenger. We've driven there. We get out of the car and we're on opposite sides of the car. So she got out of the passenger side. I got out of the driver's side. So I can't see her full body yet. And Sadie turns, looks at me and seriously says, hey, do you want to swap shoes? <laughs> and I'm like, why would I want to swap shoes? And I turn around, I walk around the car, go see where she's standing, and she's wearing the biggest, fluffiest slippers. <laughs> and like, no, we didn't swap shoes. <laughs> did you go back and change them? We did not go back and change no. them. It was a half hour drive. It would have taken us an hour to drive there and drive back. She just had to go shopping in her slippers. Did you buy shoes while you were out? No. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you buy shoes? We ate smart. (laughs) (laughs) How long ago was this? Oh, it was ages ago. It was when I first got my license, so. This was in Cyprus, right? Yeah, in Cyprus, yeah. Oh my god! I just like that when I su- suggested this, you both stared silently at me. <laughs> She's dying. Is this the first time we thought we should have brought shoes? <laughs> yes! <laughs> this is a proud moment for me, though, because usually when I'm telling Suna or Sadie a story about something that's happened to me, and I'm, like, just complaining about it, I'm just having a whinge, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is literally an impossible situation. So now it gives me, like, the most simplest explanation. She's like, oh, why didn't you just, like, turn around or something like that? Something really dumb. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're a genius. What? So this has never happened to me before as the youngest sibling. Yeah. I think I think this is genetic, guys. This shoe thing has got to be genetics because I remember a story where Dad walked to school without his shoes. He didn't even have slippers. <laughs> Yeah, I think as a family, it's time for us to embrace the barefoot movement. I think so. <laughs> so that we um, avoid these situations in the future. 
someone needs to instill this movement into my four-year-old. Yes. <laughs> I think your four-year-old already has started this movement. Yeah. Also, your four-year-old won't be four for a few months. He's only, Oh, yeah, he's only three and a half, isn't he? He's only three and a half. You keep forgetting his age. Literally, the other night, granted, it was like the middle of the night. She was tired and sleep deprived. She was like, my two-year-old did this. I'm like, you don't have a two-year-old. I assume you mean your three-year-old. Um, so what's your worst sister of the week story? Um, so I think my worst sister of the week story is that I'm moving cities at the end of this week. And as I'm getting ready, I, I got some removals and stuff to my apartment. Um, I'm staying at Suna's house for the week. And I'm fully unprepared for it. And five minutes into being here, I was like, can I borrow socks? <laughs> um, and with all that you know, I also need to borrow a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this is her asking me if she can borrow a jumper. Yeah. Can I borrow a jumper? That's why I'm no. in my coat. <laughs> no, yes. I'm, I'm sorry, did you pack literally everything you own into your boxes? No, that's the thing. I have more stuff at the apartment that I plan to bring with me for when I'm physically driving up and everything like that. But I just forgot to bring them to Suna's house. So I didn't want to bring everything that I was going to bring to Brisbane with me because I don't want yeah. to drive it around in my car for a week. So I just brought like work clothes and pajamas and I forgot socks and jumpers. and But yeah. And also adding on to my worst sister of the week, I'm also going to be in her house, eating all her food all week. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> but yeah, a jumper would be appreciated. Thanks. It is cold. Yeah, so when we hang up, I'll get you a jumper. Yeah. I'm literally wearing my coat through all of this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's wearing a red coat. I am. That's important in later seasons of Pretty Little Liars. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah. What's, what's my it? worst sister of the week yeah. story? So all the drama happened last week when we went to Sydney. Yeah. Well, we can break our rule if you want to have a story. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, this isn't really a worst sister story, but this is the story I'm going to tell is, um, actually I will tell this story. My worst sister of the week story <laughs> is, so last week we went to Sydney and me and Arzum did a ghost tour. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we did it with my uncle as well. So it was the three of us on the ghost tour. And let me tell you, it was actually like a scary ghost tour. Like yeah. things actually happened. I've been on ghost tours before where nothing happened. Um, but it, this time it actually did. Like we saw a book fly across the room all by itself. Um, no other explanation for it. Like it didn't fall off anything. It couldn't have been like it couldn't have fallen either because it kind of flew under a bed from across the other side of the room. Like there was a mesh there that it couldn't have gone through it if it fell from somewhere. It flew a few metres under a bed. Yeah, and it kind of like nobody was near it. Um, yeah, and then we had like some things with um, – we were sensing like cold spots in a room mm-hmm. um, and I felt something tug on my bag. Yeah. Uh, there was something touching your wrist. Yeah, something touching my wrist and um, the cupboard door. The cupboard door in the doctor's house as well that kept opening by itself. But mind you, I'm sorry, that wasn't a ghost. That was me. <laughs> and but this cupboard was very stiff. Like it was an old stiff cupboard. Like if it was closed, it was closed. You had to apply pressure to open it. We were tugging. You had to tug on it to open it. Like it couldn't have just blown open. And um, yeah, it opened up three times by itself. Uh, when we had closed it. Um, so anyway, that's just setting the scene. 
Um, it was we went on a ghost tour. It was really creepy at parts. Uh, we're convinced we saw some paranormal activities happen. We really recommend it, by the way. We'll, yeah, we um, really recommend it. It was the one in Manly at the Q station in Sydney, if you are in Sydney. Um, really great. Our host guide tour, whatever, yeah. tour guide, um, whatever she's called. Was she think Kathy? Uh, it wasn't Kathy. It was something else, but I was on the top of my tongue. She was great. She anyway, was excellent. Whatever her name was, she was excellent. Was it Denise? No, it was like close to Kathy. I feel like it was Denise. But anyway, it was someone who was really good. Denise or Kathy. <laughs> she was excellent. Yeah. And, yeah, so I guess my worst sister of the week comes from <laughs> we're sitting on the bus heading back to our parked car because there's a bit of a walk down to where the ghost tour starts, um, back to the reception where the you have parked the car. Um, we're on the bus going back and it's dead quiet. Me and Adam are in the back seat with, like, the cool kids that we are. <laughs> She's looking out the window. It's kind of creepy. I reach over and poke her and go, what? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly like that. Yes. (laughs) What? In Sina's defence, though, immediately after this, she bought me McDonald's. (laughs) Yeah, we fought for McDonald's. We did, but she won. We literally both tapped our cards to see who would win the ability to pay. I won. Anyway, guys, had a bum. I have to go. All right, had a bum. One, two, three. Had a bum. One, two, three. Had a bum. Um, Sadie's offline, but I'll just wrap up to say thank you for listening again to our second podcast and our first movie. Um, hit us up on all our socials if you have any feedback or comments, or um, you've got any burning questions for Pretty Little Liars, suggestions for movies, burning questions or things you'd like us to cover about miscongeniality. Um, yeah, we welcome all your feedback. Like, follow, subscribe, shout out to your friends. Like, just be obsessed with us. Make sure you rate us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And yes, everything. we're on Google Podcasts now too. Um, we're taking over the world one podcast at a time. <laughs> so find us on um, Spotify podcast and our socials are at worst sister shire for facebook and instagram and it is at sister Sister worst on twitter we also have our very own subreddit as of like two hours ago so our worst Worst sister shire um also feel free to email us at worst shire at gmail.com thanks guys we'll see you next week with uh pretty little liars Find out what the liars are up to. Yeah. Actually, another quick worst sister story is this is how dedicated we are to our craft. <laughs> so you'll notice that we are a week late on this podcast. And it's because the first time we recorded this, it did not go well. It, we were it was, not funny. We were not funny. We weren't enjoying it. It was like we just started it all wrong. So we said we weren't going to be a recap show. And we started recapping and we were really not enjoying it. And scene for scene. Literally all of us was hating it. Nobody wanted to talk. Um, and so we pulled it. We were like, guys, this isn't working. Um, let's redo this. Uh, so this is take two of the Princess Diaries podcast. And this one was much better. And it's more like in line with the vision that we had for the show as well. So yeah. We take, obviously, we take on feedback. We took on our own feedback that the first shot was crap. So we've redone it. So, yeah, we welcome any feedback, comments. Positive or negative. Yeah. Yeah. Or constructive, I should say, specifically. Don't just be haters. (laughs) (laughs) Haters be haters. (laughs) And, um, yeah, catch you next week for Pretty Little Liars. Yeah, and thank you for listening. Hadabam. Hadabam.